WMCHD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston, and on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. What is 3D print? What does that have to do with the paranormal? What is the prophecy of St. Malachi? Well, hello there, and welcome to the 432nd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those very unusual questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So this evening we have a show with uh, one guest and a double theme. But both these themes have to do with the future of humanity. The author, D'Erlon, is familiar to longtime listeners from his book, Heaven's Wave, and his on-air debates with physicist Chris Keating on the subject of the Mayan prophecy. He has spent much of his life in serious academic studies of theology, political science, and history, particularly those of the Mayans. He spent over 30 years in banking and holds a degree from the American Institute of Banking. He is now retired and is dedicating more time to his writing. In recent years, the airline has become something of a futurist, one who applies systematic interdisciplinary thinking and comes up with possible scenarios for the future of our species and our planet. Uh, that's as opposed to some psychic who receives predictions from the spirit of King Zatar of the planet Bonzo or something like that. King Zatar? <laughs> Lord Kimboot. Uh, the <laughs> welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you very much, Ben. You are most welcome. So let's start off with this 3D printing business. I've actually heard of this before. It was actually on an article on a comedy site that was like three, it actually was like five um, like inventions that you see in sci-fi movies that are actually around today. And one of them was uh, matter recreation or matter copying or whatever. So that brings in the 3D printer. So it's pretty odd or well, it sounds ordinary, but what is it? Well, it's hard to describe for a person who doesn't actually understand it. It's uh, it's straight out of science fiction, uh, but it's real. Uh, and actually, it's been around for almost 30 years, but it's only in the last decade that it's really taken off. Uh, the best way I can describe it, you know, think of this. The future is catching up with us faster than we can believe. You know, if, if you watch television in the mid-1960s, you would have seen the original Star Trek, and they pulled out their communicators, and they talked to people thousands of miles away. Well, today, you can pull out your little cell phone. Some of them are as small as, as credit cards, and you talk to people thousands of miles away. And, you know, back in the 60s, people thought that was nonsense, but we do it every day today. Well, let's, let's advance a little and go the best way to describe 3D printing, let's go up to uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. And there used to be a captain there called Captain Picard. He was the, the bald guy, the bald captain, uh, if you would ever watched the show. And, and he would go into his private quarters, and he would go up to a blank wall with a little door in it, and he'd say, and this is a famous quote of his on the show, uh, he'd say, uh, Earl Grey, hot. And he'd open the door and he'd take out a cup of tea, Earl Grey tea. And to a lot of people, they thought it was just like a, a microwave. It was just heating up his tea. But what the computer actually did is it made the cup, it made the water, it made the tea, and it heated it up all instantly, and it did it directly out of atoms in the air. And people thought, oh, that's, that's absolutely silly. Well, that's what 3D printing does, and we really and actually have it. Um, you have to see the process to believe it. Um, 
we don't actually make it out of atoms yet, even though they're working on it, but we do make it out of molecules. You can program a computer that's hooked up to a 3D printer to make almost anything in the world you want. And as an example, let's see, what can I tell you? Uh, in, in the newspaper, two weeks ago, all over the country, there was an example of 3D printing. A young girl had been in a horrific accident, car accident, and her, and her skull had been shattered, completely shattered, and she was going to die. And the surgeons involved knew about 3D printing. So what they did was they took some of her own bone matter, duplicated it, and made a second skull for her. And I know this sounds right out of science fiction, but it's true. They actually made a second skull for her. They produced the skull in a matter of minutes in a 3D printer. They then cut it up into pieces and, and put it, it, took out her old skull piece by piece and put the new skull in place, and it's actually knitting together. And this young girl, and, and it's in the newspaper a couple of weeks ago, she has a brand new skull made in a 3D printer. Dr. Frankenstein uh, was involved here, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> it, it's just amazing, Paul. Um, a few months before that, a surgeon in Belgium had a patient who was dying uh, from kidney disease. He could not find any donors that were a match anywhere in the world, so he took some of the this particular person's own cells, he duplicated them in Petri dishes, he then put them through a 3D printer, he made a new kidney for this person in Belgium, put it into the person, and the person is well and alive today. Um, but it isn't just parts you can make or bones you can make, you can make anything in a 3D printer. Um, you can make anything out of metal or plastic or, or bone or, or anything you can think of, and it, it makes it... It's just an amazing technology, and people haven't really thought this technology out yet because it's going to change the entire world we live in, and not just in a physical way. It's going to change us sociologically, um, ecologically, uh, financially, and politically. And when you project it, it, it's almost scary in one way, and, it, and it's so fruitful in another. Um, Isn't it relatively cheap? Like to get it, one of these 3D printers? It's very cheap. They can be bought online, as a matter of fact, for less than $1,000 for a small one. Really? And yet there, there are large ones as large as trucks today to make very large things. Forget it, Ben. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this, this sounds, I don't know, just maybe I'm old, but, and pardon me for stepping on your lines here, Ben, but something okay. doesn't add up here. Um, what? Oh, well, how does it work, Joe? Well, what you do is, uh, what it does is you, you have to have a, a pile, so to speak, of, of molecules of things you want to assemble in another way. Um, it, what it's being used for right now, for the most part, besides medical parts, uh, where you, you need a, a pile, so to speak, of, of someone's own cells, you can have a pile of plastic, you can have a pile of uh, very fine metal parts, and you pass it you let the 3D printer go into a program which assembles those parts inside the 3D printer uh, exactly as the computer tells it to assemble it. Um, how can I put this? Um, in, in New York last year, someone took a Vivaldi violin, put it into a 3D printer, copied the program, took a pile of wood, uh, uh, really um, what's called wood dust. It's, it's much finer than even... Uh, sawdust, put it through the 3D, put the program through the 3D, 3D printer, and assembled a Vivaldi violin 
which cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's like a Stradivarius. And it was assembled in front of them. They took it out and they played it. And it was as good as the original. Um, you, you can make anything on a 3D printer. But it's, uh, all right, the, I don't get this. Where do you get the consumables for this? Well, um, no. My for body parts. As you well, say, it's almost like cloning or something? It, it, well, it is. You, you can clone things, um, but it is, as consumables, it presents a problem with our, with our society as we move forward. And this is going to happen very quickly and an opportunity. There's a, I was in t- touch with a man in the Carolinas, let's say. And I, I hesitate to use the name or the company because a lot of people might be angry with him. He had a, a factory in the Carolinas and he had 45 people employed in the factory. What he did was he bought three 3D printers, he laid off 43 people, and those three 3D printers go 24-7 making the same product that his other 43 employees used to make, and they, you don't pay for them. It makes them what they used to call, it used to cost dollars a piece to make these products. It now costs pennies a piece. Um, he still has two employees, one to take the, the product out of the 3D printer and another to pack the product. Um, <laughs> Dear. But, well, it, and that's the whole thing. See, what, what it's going to do is it's going to, and it already has in the Orient. The Orient has embraced 3D printing like mad. Tens of thousands of people have lost their job. Factories have closed. But at the same time, the price of products comes down from dollars to pennies. So while we we may not have jobs, we may have products for pennies that we couldn't afford before. Well, then we're going to get the pennies to buy them. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, but it's also going to cause a, pro- a, a real problem with the law because it makes perfect. You know, when it first came out, you had to write a program to describe each part, the size, shape, texture, density of each product you wanted to make. A few years ago in Taiwan, someone wrote what's called a a copy program for a 3D printer. And what you do now is you take anything you want to make, you put it in the 3D printer, you press copy, you don't have to make it, you don't have to write a program for it anymore. The computer copies the product perfectly, a perfect copy inside the computer. You take the real product out and then you press print and it makes the product right in front of you, and it will make it endlessly until you tell it to stop. A perfect product. Well, what I'm, what co- I'm asking is, wh- where do the raw materials come from? Obviously, you're talking about. Uh, I mean, where where did it? For example, it was duplicating cells for uh, a, a good purpose for this this body part. Where did it get the raw material to make the duplicate cells? Good 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 point. Um, what they have to do, in, in the case of both the young girl whose skull was, was, was made and the person whose kidney was made, they have to take real cells, uh, bone cells or, or um, uh, skin cells or some type of um, uh, cell from, from the person themselves, and they have to duplicate them up to about the same mass. Something with her DNA. Correct, in, yeah. in, in large Petri dishes. And then the 3D printer sort of sucks up those things, and reassembles them as you tell them, as the computer tells the 3D printer to reassemble them. In, in cases of manufactured products, it will do this with very fine metal dust. It'll do this with very fine plastic dust or wood dust. 
Um, it, it, what it does is it's just taking molecules of something and reassembling it, but it reassembles it perfectly as you want it. No difference from the original product. Hmm. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to take a break. I think we need one. Uh, well, you are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, and we'll be right back with our guest, Dear Alon, on our rather bizarre and different subject, 3D printing, and what it's going to mean for us. Be right back. Coming up Monday on New Sky Radio at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, it's Intuitive Soul and Friends with host Lori Houston. Coming up at 2 p.m. Eastern, it's interviews with Donna Visaki and Kimmy Rose. Join Donna and Kimmy for in-depth interviews and conversations with today's spiritual leaders. At 4 p.m. Eastern, it's The Crystal Andrus Show with Crystal Andrus and Natalie Hughes. Empowering, enlightening, and educational. The Crystal Andrus Show is a no-nonsense live coaching show that will lift you to the highest levels of consciousness. Coming up at 5 p.m. Eastern, save your money with Tony House. Tony has the tips and insight to help you save tons of money every day. At 7 p.m. Eastern Time, it's Visions with Barbara Mackey. Dial in early. The phones are hot. And at 9 p.m. Eastern, it's Angels and Answers with Artie Hoffman. Sexy and intuitive. All kinds of fun. Dial in and join Artie with the party on New Sky Radio. For more on these shows and all New Sky Radio shows, check out NewSkyRadio.com slash show new sky radio and radio.com powered by cbs radio new sky radio new sky radio.com and psychic radio psychic on powered by cbs radio aol and yahoo is unlike any talk radio station with a mission to improve the world one listener at a time this is where you can be the star of your own show our listeners are truly unique truly interactive and passionate about their world the sky and psychic radio listeners genuinely care about the environment social justice their personal health and raising people up to live their best life every day our motto is new horizons no boundaries new age views life coaching psychic analysis alternative medicine and cutting edge mind body and spirit shows can all be found on the sky and psychic radio perhaps you have what it takes to join our broadcast family and open mind a great idea and a passion for enriching lives. Check out all the exciting details by clicking the microphone on our homepage at NewSkyRadio.com or give Lisa Rodman a call at 248-546-9600 to learn just how affordable it can be to host a show. Coming up today on New Sky Radio, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, it's the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Jane has helped change lives by encouraging listeners and readers to become better than before. Coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern, it's Radio to Thrive By with Dr. Pat. At 3 p.m. Eastern, step into the Spirit Salon with Laura Lee, the sane psychic. Joyce Jackson is on at 4 p.m. Eastern, bringing sanity when love feels a bit crazy. Let Joyce Jackson help you ride the roller coaster of love with style. Kathy is in with host Kathy DeBono at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. You won't want to miss a minute of the crazy fun with Kathy and her friends. Coming up at 6 p.m. Eastern, Reverend Linda Newman and Tom Forrest have the answers to life's most pressing questions. Yours on Answers with the Astro Bag Lady. Get the latest from the stars with Zoe Moon and the Zoe Moon Astrology Show at 8 p.m. Eastern. Tonight on New Sky Radio. For more on these shows and all New Sky Radio shows, check out NewSkyRadio.com slash show. New Sky Radio and Radio.com. Powered by CBS Radio. 
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our guest, Yerlon. And we're talking of 3D printers and what their significance is to our uh, species future. Species is species I. What is the, what is the possessive of species? Species. Species yes. with the implied apostrophe. Okay. Uh, the species with the implied apostrophe and its implications and such. Very good. All right. Now, to your line, people might wonder what this all has to do with the paranormal, but we feel that because the paranormal is, the, is in our opinion, the key to understanding virtually everything, and it's the background behind the entire human experience. Anything having to do with our past or our future is relevant, especially when it could be a, have a profound influence on how we live and how we see ourselves. Um, will this help us become what we are supposed to be, or will it bog us down in wasted lives that leave us as nothing more than parasite fodder in our terms. So that's the, those are the questions. So, Dierlon, why isn't 3D printing all over the news, especially if it's so cheap? Well, the answer to your first two questions is yes, both. <laughs> oh, it could, it could bog us down or it could help us? It, it will do both, actually. Okay. That's uh, what you have, I suppose. Why, why is it so cheap? Well, you, um, a 3D printer can make anything. You don't need a specialized machine to make anything. And you don't need human intervention. You don't have to pay people $15 an hour, $25 an hour, or $50 an hour to do anything. 3D printers work 24-7 for nothing. But why um, isn't it all over the Why is this not being marketed to any great degree? I mean, whenever a new iPhone comes out, my gosh, the whole world knows about it. You can't get away because well, there's a cult of personality around Apple. But anyway, uh, uh, what I was going to mention was I just found this article on my phone that I was reading before. Speaking of iPhone. That I, that I mentioned, yeah, that I mentioned before where I first heard about this. That it was on a comedy site. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was, it was called, it, the article is called, um, Six shockingly affordable sci-fi inventions. It's number four underneath armored cars, and it's just simply called the a matter replicator. Matter replicator. Yeah, and it only costs approximately one thousand two hundred ninety-nine dollars. I don't want to know what the other five are. Uh, well, <laughs> one of them sure is armored vehicles. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, I, why isn't this all over the news? That's a good question because it it definitely represents. Uh, like um, the automobile or the airplane, uh, electricity, it's a major step in a technological advancement for people. In fact, it is possibly, it is very possibly a larger step than any of those, than all of those combined. And the reason is this. Think, think about this. From, from the time, no matter what you believe, from the time the ape man dropped down from the trees or, or crawled out of the cave, we had to go out and either hunt for or work for anything we wanted. Now all we have to do is press a button and it's right in front of us. That's a major difference in, in, in how humanity lives. And no one is quite sure how this is going to affect us sociologically or economically. Um, economically, thousands of people are losing their jobs right now because of 3D printing. But on the other hand, things that used to cost a fortune are now going to cost pennies. Well, philosophically, I certainly see what you're saying, and I certainly agree. But I'm still trying to get beyond the mecha- to the mechanics of this. 
right, suppose I want my cup of tea. I go to my 3D printer. Well, first of all, what does it look like? 3D printer. A 3D printer looks a little like a large desktop printer. And most of them, however, just have, they don't have a center. They're hollow in the center so that things can be produced in it. And they have a series of nozzles on top. Oh, Ben's showing me a picture of one right now. Well, this is, well, this is a different kind. There's, yeah, there's, there's, different kinds, there's, there's yeah. a bunch of different kinds. All right, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Let me give you a real-world example. Uh, my wife just went to the dentist last week, and she's going to need a crown. Now, this is the second crown she, she will need. Before, they sent it out to a laboratory, took a couple of months to make the crown at, a, at an enormous cost, and... Uh, you know, she comes back and they fit it to make sure it fits well and everything. Do you know what the dentist did to her? He has a 3D printer. He he, he uh, passed a laser over her teeth, and he said, "Okay, the, the crown will be ready in a few minutes." <laughs> and, and, and honestly, it it so this it, is being used already in, in everyday it's, affairs. It's being used everywhere. It's 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 the very quiet revolution. No one's talking about it, but it's 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 in. It's in medical laboratories. It's in aircraft. There's a, a large aircraft company across the river from where I live. They're already making very complicated, very expensive aircraft parts out of this that are no longer complicated, and some of which used to cost up to $18,000 each, cost $3 now. It's incredible. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking, too? It's just, I just, and Ben will remember this, too. That this was in one of the scenes of the movie Jurassic Park, one of the movies I've had a chance to see, the late, uh, and it, it there's a, a fellow in there who was working with the paleontologist, and he has a machine that literally recreates the what is it the the, the uh, sound chamber of a velociraptor or something. Something like that, yeah. And you can blow it. And, and in fact, there was in I think the third one too. Or well, anyway, this this was there. And that, now that was made in the '90s, wasn't it? That was yeah, that was like the early '90s, I think. Yeah. So I mean, so it sounds as though this sort of thing, maybe that may have been a fictional occurrence, but the idea seems to be the same. Well, it's interesting you should say that, bring up Jurassic Park, because a Russian biologist just is throwing out the idea of 3D printing. He wants to make the internal skeleton of, of, a, of an extinct dinosaur with a 3D printer and then flesh it out from, from frog flesh <laughs> with another 3D printer. He Wait says you honestly sure that's the same plot from Jurassic Park. <laughs> but actually, actually you can, uh, no, I can, can remember another quote from Jurassic Park <clears throat> where in one of the uh, <clears throat> one of the paleontologists says you you use this technology like a kid who's found his father's gun. Well, uh, Enough <laughs> said. Uh and that's another thing, Paul, guns. I, this had not occurred to me. I've been aware for about 18 months now of 3D printing. A few months ago, I came home from a, a meeting I was attending, and uh, my, my wife had left the television on. She was asleep. I just sat down and watched whatever was playing, and it was one of those New York crime dramas. And they were looking for a killer of two people. And, and the whole thing worked out to this. A young man in New York was making 38 Magnum guns on his 3D printer. What? Yeah, you can make guns on printers. So, the, the, you see, this, this is where it's going to complicate things. 3D printers are going to cause havoc with the law. They're going to cause havoc with copyright laws, with patent laws. You can make anything on a 3D printer. You don't need to, to buy it from someone who's legally manufacturing it anymore. And you can make guns all you want on a 3D printer with no one knowing. It, it's, it's virtually impossible. Government is going to lose control with 3D printers. They're not going to have 
the physical control they had over things before. It's impossible. You can you can sit in your living room and make anything you want. So Think wait, about who that. Who came up with this? <laughs> who came up with a three D printer? Where did this come from? It came Alien from there. technology, Ben. Here's our list of the paranormal. Actually, it came from the reason it's called three D printing is it came from someone who was making desktop printers for um, for computers about twenty five years ago. Well, almost thirty years ago now, actually. And he said, you know, if I can spray ink onto something, why can't I just take molecularized uh, metal raw materials, or, yeah. raw materials, spray them into an already uh, to a, to a, to a shape that the computer will will program for me and make solid things? And that's exactly what he did. Oh, so 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 that's really how it works. You you get. I can picture little vials of uh, iron molecules or something, and you stick it in the thing, and, and depending on what you want to make, you put the, the proper materials in there, and it, it'll make it for you. It makes it layer by layer, but very quickly. At an layer enormous, yes. And, and it's glued together with any one of a number of different uh, highly technological glues. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's going to be a whole new world, and it, it's... It, it's going to be a different world, you know. Imagine a world where you can't afford anything, but you can have anything for pennies. It's... That, uh, I have to get my mind around that. It's, you know, we can barely afford things as it is. Mm. Uh, all right. Well, there we are. Ben? Yes. Any further questions on this? Uh, not at Can the... you make your textbooks out of it? No, not even that. I mean, if you need – well, there's a lot of things that I have on, in my head that I want to ask in question form, but I don't know how to put them into questions. It's well, like, uh, let, me, let me just say this, Ben. Um, how this relates to our future and things like the Mayan prophecy and St. Malachi's prophecy is that this particular time, why this particular time, why the beginning of the 21st century? Believe me, 3D printing is going to change our world drastically. It may be quiet, but it's com- a complete change. It's going to change it within a decade. Why is everything happening now that's that's a good question you know, i must say the same question has occurred to me and a good transitional sentence it is extremely good but uh before we leave the subject of that and get into the prophecy of saint malachi i'm still wondering uh, a few things about 3d printing now obviously the, the, the stuff that makes the organic matter the, the body parts and things of this kind must be somewhat more expensive than the one that will make your cup of tea well of course and, and, and in fact the stuff that makes the organic matter uh, in the case of the young woman, uh, young girl, really, who just had her, her skull made in 3D printing and saved her life. There was no way they could have saved her. They had to take some of her own bone scrapings and grow them, her own bone cells, in Petri dishes first. Yeah. And it took a few months to get enough bone cells to be able to pass through the 3D printer at one end and reassemble them into her, a perfect shape of her skull at the other end. All right, if I were to get this 3D printer that Ben found for 1200 bucks, yep. what, what could I do with it? Well, you can't make a skull. It's, it's, uh, uh, well, I, I don't need too many skulls right now. And mine seems to be more or less functional. With too many candles, not enough skulls. You can, uh, you can make anything out of metal or plastic with the, the $1,200 3D printers that you can buy out there. Including a gun? Yes, as a matter of fact. Unbelievable. So basically, if I have a schematic or something, say for like a speaker, and I just put in some metal or uh, rubber or whatever, and then out pops a speaker... You have to make it a, a product by product. You have to make it piece by piece. Uh, that is to say, uh, everything you make has to be uh, 
everything in, in what you're making, you make all the metal parts first or the plastic parts first. Oh. And then you oh, snap them together. That's okay. And then you put it together. Exactly. Okay. In the case of guns, uh, metal guns have been made, but they have to be tempered in a furnace afterwards because they're not tempered correctly. They're, they're together. They're a perfect shape, uh, perfect dimensions and everything, but they're not so well tempered that if a, if a bullet went off in one of the chambers, it could only withstand the explosion of a few bullets before the whole gun would blow up. Yeah, you have to, yeah, you have right. to temper the metal first. That was the problem with the early firearms. But you can make Glocks all you want. A Glock is a is a plastic gun from Austria. It's one of the most powerful guns in the world. It's Definitely, made of plastic. Yes. You could make endless Glocks right now. Well, well, we're not trying to arm people here. No, I would not. I'm just this, saying that, this, fact that, that this represents a new technology that is going to challenge the the legal system. Well, it's a quote from Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. Absolutely, Ben. Good one. That should be carved in stone over every state house, every every government office in the, in the in the world. In any case, on that cheerful note, we're going to take another break. And we'll be right back with Zerlon on another subject. But you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio. Stick with us. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries. is a blue shoots up through the stony ground there's no room no space to win in this town you're out of luck and the reason that you had to care the traffic is stuck and you're not moving anywhere you thought you found a friend Take you out of this place Someone you can lend a hand In return for grace It's a beautiful day i 
Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New skyradio.com. Believe. And we're back with Girlan, our uh, one of our favorite guests, author uh, and uh, futurist to some degree. And we've been talking about 3D printing, something that sounds very normal but is not. And we're going to move now to the subject of the prophecy of St. Malachi. Uh, something a little more overtly paranormal. Um, so this may also have to do with the human future, of course, and with the election of a new pope this past week, it could be, couldn't be more relevant. Uh, what is the prophecy of St. Malachi? And who was St. Malachi? Well, St. Malachi was the Archbishop of Armagh, uh, Ireland, about... Um, and uh, as such... He would have been a great figure in history anyway, because in case people are not familiar with it, it's fitting that we should have this on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, um, <laughs> I have St. Patrick's Day, everybody. What, what a lot of people don't know is, of course, St. Patrick established Christianity in Ireland. Right after he established it, the Irish, believe it or not, tried to take over the, the leadership of the Western Church from Rome. They tried that for almost 200 years before they finally just threw up their hands and, and said, okay, you can have it, Roman. And really, they, they were not in the right place, especially for such a, uh, you know, the, the very primitive times in which they lived. Rome was sort of centered there. And now, There was some place. issue about whether that, whether how powerful Rome actually was up until the age of mass communication. But go, I'm sorry, go ahead. But, but, but you know, that, that's all right. Well, there were a lot of reasons why he, he couldn't establish the Irish church as, as the... Uh, as the power in the Western Church. But the point is, um, when they sort of lost the battle to control the Church, they, they kept Christianity, but they, they were sort of rebels in Ireland. They, almost uh, um, every district in Ireland had its own brand of Christianity. And about the year 1000, along comes uh, uh, St. Malachi, and he becomes the Archbishop of Armagh, which uh, 900 years ago was... I don't know if it was the largest city in Ireland, but it was certainly the most important. And he, organized, he reorganized the Irish church into, uh, into something viable for the first time. And, and supposedly in the process of doing this, he, he, he um, also uh, did a lot of miracles around Ireland. So he, he, the Pope, Pope Innocent II, in the year, was it 1130, 1139, called him to Rome to congratulate him on for two things, all of the miracles he was doing, and for reorganizing the church. While he was before the Pope, supposedly he had some sort of a fit. His eyes rolled up in his eyes, and today I suppose we'd say he was having a stroke. But he fell on the floor and he started twitching. They took him into a side room, and he called for papers and pen. And for months afterwards, he lay there and he, he was just writing all of these things down, and the Pope finally got what he was writing, and According to legend, the Pope looked at it and said, burn this. 
And uh, as they were taking it away, he said, no, wait, wait, wait. Seal it in lead and put it down in the archives. Um, and that was that. Um, there was nothing about St. Malachi for 400 years. And then someone was checking, someone had heard a rumor about it. Oh, what was his name? Let me check my notes here. It's, uh, uh-huh. it was, uh, oh yeah, a monk, a Benedictine monk named Arnold Wion in 1595, almost 400 years later, uh, wanted to find this uh, supposed prophecy that he heard rumors about. He went down and he checked it, and he published it in 1595. Now, a lot of people say it's a forgery. Well, that's what we were going to ask. These are generally considered forgeries from the 16th century. Yes, even the church. Your opinion obviously is different. Well, not necessarily. Let me tell you the story, and and you be the judge. Uh, A lot of people said they were forgeries because up to about 1595, what St. Malachi said, he described each pope. uh, And... And up to 1595, they were incredibly accurate. And then after 1595, they were much more generalized, what each pope was like and how long the, the pope would, uh, would, would stay in office and, and everything. Uh, but the amazing thing is that the last four popes were amazingly, our last four popes were amazingly well-described, where they were born and what their, they could have been nicknamed had, according to what they did in the world. And the thing is that the, uh, the present pope, Francis, is the 112th pope since St. Malachi, actually since uh, uh, Innocent II. All right. And according to the prophecy of Malachi, the last pope will be the 112th pope, which would be Francis, and after that comes Armageddon, the, the great struggle between good and evil, which will wipe out most of the world, but the good will survive. So that's the prophecy. (laughs) All right. Um, One question might be, and I I relate to that. I mean, I'll not necessarily relate to the Pope, but but that kind of scenario. And people are always saying I'm making predictions. I'm not. I'm just just judging from sort of what we pick up in our paranormal work and from my own personal background and training in uh, putting two and two together in situations that are not so easy to do that. And, um, kind of reading between the lines but anyway so that, that i relate to that but one might ask um the papal thing now past week everybody's been caught up in it there were a lot of people have been caught up in it a lot of people are interested in it because it's it's kind of cool it's a for the most ancient functional institution really in the world now uh that still exists and uh, people are interested in it plus this seems like a marvelous kind of a fellow, a, a humble man, uh, although there are the press naturally is trying to drag everything into the mud with questions, but that's that's not relevant to our discussion. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's interesting, but what, in, in the long run, who really takes the papacy seriously anymore as far as our own lives are concerned in, in countries like ours? I'll qualify that because there are plenty you do in the third world. So let's say you on all that. Well, uh, good this to, to most people. Good question, but you have to understand something. One one out of every six people in the world is a Roman Catholic, and they many of them, in fact, the, the vast majority of them, still look at the Pope as almost uh, God's representative on earth and take everything he says as being the word of God. So obviously, he's still a very viable person and very important. 
I remember in the seminary in the 1970s, in the early 70s, um, one of the deacons I was I happened to be talking to uh, one day, and and I mentioned something about Rome, and he says, "Who listens to Rome?" But I, but I see exactly what you're saying. You know, this is America, North America, and Europe, in but in many circles are essentially considered mission countries now, because the uh, they've become so secular. And when you look around various dioceses in America, you see priests from India or you know Latin America or foreign countries uh, because they can't find enough Americans to become priests. At least that's my latest information. So, so I see what you're saying. The third world is it may be calling the shots here, and and it is a and with with the rise of the third world, which is rapidly in many cases ceasing to be the third world. You can't consider India a third world country anymore. Um, I see exactly what you're saying. So, so what? Uh, what's what's the upshot here? I mean, so if this is true, we're dealing with the last pope. That doesn't it say Peter of Rome. How do you relate Pope Francis to Peter of Rome? That's that's interesting because the um, the prophecy of Malachi says the last pope will be named Peter of Rome. Uh, well, that, that's what people say. Actually, he did not say he will be named Peter of Rome. He said he will be associated with the name Peter of Rome. Well, that could be uh, any pope. Even though Several Peter wasn't even be, bishop, it, an You're in the shoes of the fisherman who was St. Peter, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the, by, by the way, the, the church near me, the Roman Catholic Church near me, the priest has come from Nigeria because there were no American priests available. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, no, that, that you're seeing that everywhere. In Rhode Island here, and, uh, you know, we're not Roman Catholics, but, we, you know, I follow it very closely because I respect it very much uh, because of, you know, as I say, that's the place I learned to love God. Uh, exactly. I just... Um, you know, there are a lot of foreign priests around, and, and, and the ones I've met are great people. So, but it's, they consider it a mission country. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes, I would say that North America and Europe are definitely, as you say, mission countries now. Yeah. Uh, they, have, they have to be reconverted, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, the, the interesting thing about this, this prophecy of St. Malachi, it comes along at the same time as the Mayan prophecy, an ancient Hindu prophecy, two ancient Chinese prophecies, and a, and a slew of other prophecies that how does all that all be happening. Uh, I'm sorry? How does all that relate? I, I don't know how it relates, but the strangest thing is, and, 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 and throw it back on what I talked about first, 3D printing, which is going to change everything legally, sociologically, economically, within, within the decade, it, it does seem as though that this is the time of the great change in humanity. Well, things are always changing, but I mean, I, I, I don't know about Ben, but I see the point that these are extreme and rapid changes. They are. It's funny, back before 2012 or during 2012, when we were talking about that, and, and you, you have made the point that things did not necessarily, you know, that, that just because the world didn't end or things didn't change drastically on December 21st, which is, seems to be a rather quiet day, even news-wise, uh, that, that, that didn't mean that the prophecy was wrong or that things were not changing. Um, and I, I see your point on that, but um, I, I'm just, you know, I, I hate being right, especially about something like this. And, and if the um, scenario I kind of envision taking place, as I say, based on a number of practical matters, is is going to happen, then we're in for some, some serious trouble, and this would kind of match up with what you're saying. And I'm talking about nuclear trouble, uh, <clears throat> serious loss of life, drastic change, uh, but yeah, things coming all right in the end. I mean, is that kind of what these prophecies say? That is what they all say. Um, really? It, it, well, I wasn't it's aware of that. 
uh, well, they, they say that this this will be a time, and, and as you said, Paul, not of the end of the world, or not even the Mayans said, this was not going to be the end of the world, it's just the end of their calendar, but after after the end of their calendar, there would be such drastic changes, you won't see Earth or, or life as we knew it before. To me, that seems to be happening. Okay, well, on that, uh, another cheerful moment, we're going to take another break, the final break of the show, and we'll be back for our final section of the show with Dear Alana. We'll continue this, this talk of these uh, happy subjects. <laughs> so stay with us, and uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio. Be right back. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. And we're talking about the prophecy of St. Malachi with our good friend and author Dierlon. And uh, one thing I wanted to, to just mention, you mentioned when you described the, the process of this prophecy coming down to us, that this occurred in uh, about, what, 1100, uh, circa 1100, this collapse of St. Malachi in front of the Pope. 1139. But 1139. And then uh, <clears throat> things were relatively accurate about the Popes up until uh, 1599? 1595, I believe. 1595. Yes. And then things got a little fuzzy. So is it Correct. possible that perhaps uh, it might have been a legitimate document up to... And first of all, how, how do we know that this event actually occurred was between St. Malachi and the Pope? And uh, the, the other point would be maybe up to 1595 it might have been accurate then, but then somebody else may have taken it up and predicted beyond that? I mean, wh- what are we looking at here? Well, we, we really don't know. We, we do know that St. Malachi did uh, appear. There, there are Vatican records to show that he did appear before uh, Pope Innocent II in uh, 1139. There, there's no doubt about that. He was called to Rome. He, he showed up and he, he made his appearance. And he did collapse while he was talking to the Pope. Uh, after that, it, everything more or less comes from either um, a fable or, or the prophecy itself. Um, so that's why, of course, it, it is... There is some doubt about it, and, and I, I can't uh, I can't argue with the fact there should be some doubt about it. But there are there are just so many, you know, there, there are so many accuracies in it. For one thing, even though he didn't describe all of the popes after 1595 accurately, he still predicted pretty much the the term of each pope, how long each pope would stay in. He might have been off a year or two, but when you when you consider that a pope could be in for thirty days and drop dead or could stay in for thirty five years, um he, he was pretty accurate. He was accurate to within a year or two, this prediction, after fifteen ninety five, even though the name or or really the nickname and description of each pope was not exactly accurate. Well, you mentioned the last four popes, particularly. That would have been Paul, John Paul I, John Paul II, and Francis. Yes. And he said that those were particularly accurate. So how so? Well, uh, for, one, for instance, um, John Paul I, he was, he was described by uh, Malachi, St. Malachi, as of the half moon. Now, it, it's interesting. He, he was born... Uh, his real name was, uh, oh, I think it was Luciani. Albino Luciani. Yeah, his, he was born at the half moon, for one thing. He was actually born for the, at the half moon. And uh, I believe he only stayed in, he, he died after just 30 days. Yeah, r- roughly a month he was, uh, yeah. So, in a way, the moon, uh, he was born at the half moon and died on one moon. The description of him is of the half moon, describes him pretty well, a pope of the half moon. Uh, the next one, John Paul II, uh, was in for, for many years, of course, and he was called uh, the labor of the sun and the eclipse of the sun. And he labored for years, uh, and he was called in, in his homeland of Poland, the son of God for all the work he was doing and trying to beat back the the uh, the communist regime at the time, and then uh, he he was called the eclipse of the sun. He finally, but between him, 
Ronald Reagan, uh, Margaret Thatcher, and Lech Walesa, the four of them really eclipsed the Eastern Empire of the Sun, communism. They really brought it down, the four of them together. Oh, yeah, no, I agree with that, although uh, John Paul wasn't wild about capitalism either. But, uh, he, he wasn't, but he, he hated communism. Oh, yeah, oh, my gosh, he said it was worse. Well, that's interesting. So what about uh, uh, the current pope, then? Uh, that's a little less clear, of course. Uh, the current pope, and this isn't clear, he's called uh, the Peter the Roman. Well, he has nothing, well, people are kind of stretching it on this one. Uh, you know, he's from Argentina. Or, or is he? Well, he is. He is. Well, but his parents, were, his parents well, were from Italy. And uh, they left Italy on a ship from Rome, as a matter of fact, right outside of Rome, uh, to, to come to Argentina. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It, it is. Of course, uh, and Peter could, as you said before, could apply to any pope because everyone is, uh, is in the shoes of the fishermen. Well, supposedly, yeah. So, uh, but uh, the, the point is, what, what strikes me about all of this is prophecy itself. The prophecies around this time are not exact, and prophecy is never this way. They're not exactly perfect. They don't predict exactly what happens on exactly the day it's supposed to happen. But there are just too many prophecies for this time. And they all seem to converge here. And they all seem to say, we're in for a, a big new world in a completely new way. Yeah. Well, certainly I like, looks. I like to think of it as it's going to be some sort of huge joke from history. <laughs> well, God does have a sense of humor. Look at us. Yeah, look at the people he got together for. Uh, you know, our our group of friends and. <laughs> anyway, but what? I, so what do we do if this is true? If this is true, this as an individual human being, there isn't much we can do. Well, I always say the thing to do is is do what you're supposed to do. Fulfill your responsibilities, love your family, tell them you love them, and then be found doing what you're supposed to be doing. Live your life in a decent way is what I say. Yeah, it's essentially the same thing. Well, that's that's the thing. Um, I'm sorry. I seem to have uh, difficulties. I don't know. Just we're being um, uh, the people, the 3D printer goblins are after us. Anyway. uh, so, so, what? How how long will this pope be in office? Is there any indication of that, or what? Uh, what? Why would there be no pope after this one? Maybe would there be such destruction that ever, even that will change? Well, as you know, as we've already discussed, in in North America and in Europe, amongst European peoples, except for South America, uh, it, it isn't just the uh, Roman Catholicism. It, it's Christianity itself that seems to be dissolving. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it, it's just as true in the Eastern Church as it is in the Western. The only thing that seems to be growing is the, uh, is the Muslim world right now. Yeah. Okay, well, that's about all the time we have, but a very interesting discussion. Tell us about, can people get your book, Heaven's Waves? It's a darn good story, even if the, the date is passed. Uh, and where can people find out more about you? Well, it's still available on Amazon. Okay. Uh, dot com. They, they can still get it from Amazon. And, of course, uh, I, I have a new book coming out, which uh, in a way is, is <laughs> professorial. Uh, it's called The Revolutionist, and that will be out by this summer, I hope. Interesting. Very good. We'll want to hear more about that. Well, very good, Dearline. It's always a great pleasure, and we'll be talking to you very soon. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. 
So we're just about down to the wire here, folks, and uh, many thanks to our uh, producer. Hey, hey. I, think you're gonna, I think you're going to do some announcements, like okay. Kindle and such. Oh, of course. Thank you, Ben. Uh, talking about other people's books. Yeah, you can uh, check out my books, a number of them on Barnes & Noble Nook and Kindle, Amazon Kindle, and uh, Paul F. Eno, of course, E-N-O, just one spelled backwards, and check them out. There's bunch of them on there. So many thanks to our producer, Brandon Jackson, and we will see you right here next week, March 24th, when my dad and I will discuss synchronicity. What about the website? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, well check us out at BehindTheParanormal.com information on guests coming, gone, and uh, present, and, and that'll be an interesting thing, and all kinds of podcasts, 450 of them, uh, free. In the meantime, tune into our Boston Providence Drive Time show on WON 1240 AM, on at 6 p.m. every Monday Eastern Time. And check out, again, the podcast at BehindTheParanormal.com. We leave you this evening with a thought from the great but very weird artist Pablo Picasso, who, not surprisingly, seemed to have some understanding of the multiverse. Quote, anything you can imagine is real, unquote. So, I'm Ben. And I'm Paul. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time.